Welcome back, my friends, to the On the Hard Days podcast, and I am thrilled that today is Friday, and Friday means Father Fridays. This is something brand new that I've started where I am talking with a dad, a dad of a neurodivergent kid, so that he can share his story and and sort of his perspective on what it's like um, in this fatherhood journey. Oh my gosh. Uh, so far, I've talked to a few dads, and, and these episodes are fantastic, and it's it's really just fascinating to hear where their brains are at. And so my first comment to you is, while you're listening to this, think about if you know any dads of neurodivergent kids who you think might be interested in sharing their story. And, and they may say no at first, because it is a podcast for mothers. I would highly recommend that you share this episode with a dad. And if they're feeling comfortable and brave, send me a DM or an email so I can get them on the podcast. So right now, Father Fridays is is just a series. We've got it for a few weeks because I had a couple of dads wanting to connect with me. Uh, But it's not a regular thing unless we have enough dads who want to do it. So feel free to send the podcast their way. Um, And by the way, as you guys may know, I am very uh, hard at work on reaching a 100,000 download goal by the end of January, 2023. So the best way to help me reach that 100,000 download goal is to, number one, make sure you've subscribed to the podcast so that your device will automatically download new episodes. Um, Number two, share the show with others. I mean, of course, family and friends, but think therapists, pediatricians, teachers, anybody who you think might benefit from hearing what it is like from mom's and now dad's perspectives in raising neurodivergent kids. And number three, leave a rating or review for the show if you would be so kind. Um, With Apple, for example, the Apple algorithm will push the show out to more moms who need that support and validation. Um, I thank you so, so very much for your continued support. And now, on to the episode. It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? what happens if you can't find your village because raising your child is really, really tough? What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there and it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast on the hard days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. Welcome to Austin Bowden. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Austin. I'm I'm excited. Absolutely, Megan. I'm a pleasure to be here. It's exciting to be speaking yeah. with you. Yeah, and I appreciate you being willing to do this and have this often vulnerable and honest conversation about life as a dad. So first of all, let's back up. Why don't you introduce yourself and just tell us about you and your family? All right. Well, my name's Austin Bowden. Uh, I'm 41. Maybe I shouldn't reveal my my age. Um, uh, father, two kids, uh, a beautiful son, Merrick, who's who's uh, on the autism spectrum disorder, and or autism spectrum, whatever. You guys know what it's called. I got you. I got you. And then I've got a, a seven year old daughter, uh, Aurora, 
and she's beautiful and wonderful in, in all the ways. And let's see, uh, we live in Northern California and I'm a small business owner on a little insurance agency and I love CrossFit and adventures and all the, all the things that go with it. Uh, I love it. I knew you must be in a warm place cause you're wearing a t-shirt and it's January. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, I don't know. It's like 50, 55 this morning. So it's not, not bad. No, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's not bad at all. We'll take it. Yeah. A little chilly. I mean, I saw some kids with jackets and sweaters on this morning. Okay. I made both my kids bring a jacket with them. So but, just so in they, case. they weren't packing their snow gear then. No, no. Yeah. Luckily, I, so we live right just north of Sacramento. We're about an hour and a half outside of Tahoe and about two hours from San Francisco. So we don't get the snow. No but we're snow close gear. Enough to it. Nope. No. So yeah. yeah I love yeah. it here. Uh, so you said you are into CrossFit and things. And, and so my first question is, do you have time to do that? And how? Oh, you make time. Yeah. So, no, I don't have time. Time is always one of those those things that's uh, a valuable asset that, that you don't always uh, get to say or do what you want in that time. But I found in the, all this process, I need my mental sanity. And I, I've made it work. And... Uh, you know, it's an hour a day to focus on myself and so I can bring my best self to, you know, my kids, my family, my work and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Um, it's so, a little chaotic with yeah. that. You know, so I, there's classes throughout the day. The The gym I go to is about 20 minutes away. Um, so I love going to the six o'clock class. So when I don't have my kids, I go to that early morning class. Um, right now. Uh, my kid's mother and I are, we're on a every other day rotation, which is a little chaotic, but it's, it's working right now. And so like, I'm not going this morning cause I had kid drop off, but I'll be able to go this evening. And so, yeah, that's, that's how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So let's back up and tell me about sort of the, the journey for your son and, and what that has looked like, especially when he was younger. Oh, Okay. So we, let's see, he's 10 years old and, you know, birth and all that process, it was amazing and beautiful. We were so excited to be parents and, you know, he was hitting all the milestones up until a little after one and he really wasn't talking much. But the other thing is he wasn't crying. So there was no complaint. It was this happy go lucky baby. After six weeks, he was sleeping through the night and people are like, you know, you're so lucky. Oh, wait till you're second and all these things. And we're like, first, why would you wish that upon parents? Wait till you're second. Like, let us enjoy this moment. Um, so then let's see, he wasn't quite two yet. And we found out, well, we, you know, we, we planned, but we, we found out we were pregnant and it was a couple months after, you know, after the first doctor visit for that, for my, my daughter, you know, when my wife was pregnant, um, my son's about 18 months and he, you know, he's not talking and the doctor's like, okay, he should be talking now, he, but he's hitting every other milestone. So we were like, well, maybe he's delayed. I was a little delayed, you know, talking when I was a baby. So maybe that's what's going on. And then we found out that, that, well, all right, well, we need to go get him checked out. We need to go get a hearing test done, make sure he can hear and everything checked out there. And so then all of a sudden now we're getting referred to specialists. But then we've got that stress. We've got the stress that, you know, 
oh, there might be something wrong with our son. And then now my, my wife in turn is, is pregnant with our upcoming baby. And it was really hard, uh, hard for her. You know, a lot of those concerns of like, how are we going to manage this? What's going on with our son? The other chaotic thing was that uh, that's when healthcare changed throughout the U.S. And it was a crap show. Uh, my son got kicked off my wife's plan. Um, and we just being inexperienced with health insurance, uh, got thrown into the, the state program. And so getting help from anywhere was horrible. And we were driving, you know, an hour each way to go see a specialist and just to find a doctor that would talk to him. And the, 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 uh, pediatric care that we, doctor that we saw was horrible. I'm like, why would anyone put up with something like this? And we finally started getting referrals to doctors that we needed and finally got him on his own insurance plan and found a pediatrician that was like open and wanted to work with us. And, you know, we got referred to UC Davis and the mind Institute and they started running tests and everything came back and they let us know that our, our son is autistic. And so it was crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, three, four months later, then my, my daughter was born and some stresses got thrown into that whole mix. Uh, you know, my, my wife didn't handle all that well. And, you know, we were still young, a little immature and tried to deal with it the best that we could. And yeah, we, we did a lot of things for my son. So we got introduced to this, this program called, a uh, what brain balance. Um, it's a, we heard great things. But, you know, we had a newborn baby now and we're like, well, we can't. The closest insta- the place was in San Francisco. So it, it actually, you know, two hours away with traffic. Sometimes we could get down there in three hours, but coming home would take eight hours. And, you know, they want us to go three days a week. And it's like, well, how do you have a newborn that's supposed to receive love and care and all this help and be driving in the car? Uh, we looked at moving, you know, temporarily moving, you know, my wife has family in Southern Utah. We thought, well, there's a place right down the road from her father's house. You know, we could go to that one. And like, no. And so we put that off for two years till my daughter was a little older. And then we, we jumped into trying brain balance. Um, he was happy, go lucky. And until we went through that process. And then after about a year of, of doing that, things just got worse and worse and worse. And they kept saying, well, that means it's working. And we, I had kid, you know, he's screaming. He's not sleeping through the night. He's full of rage and all these wonderful things that, yeah, he, he still has issues like that now. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. you're talking yeah. about some, some really hard stuff. Oh, yeah, it was. It definitely was. So and how did you how did you deal with that? Um, You know, he's my son. And so you love them. And that's what we, we, we both kind of leaned into. Um, like what, what else do you do? You show up, you, you be there. Um, some of the things it, it did, it made it real tough, especially when he started acting out and having these issues and trying to get him into other programs and schools. And, you know, we, so we go through that whole program and he's developing and, you know, now we're like getting ready to put him into school. And we're looking in our area, in our community, and the, actually the, the little town that I grew up in is known in the area for having one of the best ASD programs. And they follow the same program from pre-K all the way through middle school. So eighth grade, 
he's going to have the exact same routine and program. These teachers all work together. They'd been through, you know, they've worked for like 15 plus years together to develop this program. And we're like, well, that's it. This is our place. We're going to, we're going to move to Lincoln. And so we bought property, you know, we started the process to build a house. We got them in the school. We love the, the pre-K and the kindergarten. And then all of a sudden COVID hit in first grade or maybe it was second grade. And, oh, that was a nightmare. Um, Cause now it's stepping back and he doesn't do well with the screen and sitting in front of a screen with a teacher. And uh, yeah, that was, that was tough. Um, I think that's really what, what kind of put in all a, a lot of extra, extra stresses in, in our marriage. And, you know, my, my wife had to, not not work anymore so she had to go home back to being a full-time and i think that was a stress that we just weren't ready for and so um i think we both kind of just shut down and grew apart and yeah it sucks it it does suck (laughs) yeah it does a lot of tears a lot of heartbreak in all the process you know those things like with my son I, I feel like I've done really well just adapting and, and loving him and being the best dad I can for him. Um, you know, I grew up going through Boy Scouts and I was looking so forward to all these opportunities I have to do with my son. You know, the, the my wife had all these dreams of, oh, he's going to play football and homecoming dances and all these things. And now we're given a, the, the thing was like, oh, we don't have a crystal ball. That's what we're told. We don't have a crystal ball. We can't tell you what he's going to be like. And it's like, you got to be freaking kidding me. You've got 30 years experience working with ASD. Paint a picture for me. It doesn't have to be exact. And everyone just kept saying the same thing. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't have a crystal ball. And it's like, thanks for nothing. Like, I have no idea. So then I jump in and I start reading all these books on what autism is and how it impacts you and how they communicate and don't communicate. And, you know, so he's nonverbal. Um, he was like at 400, 450 words before COVID hit. And he dropped back down to 200 words during that, that process. Um, and that was heartbreaking. Uh, but I found during, you know, during COVID, I started getting the kids out outdoors and, you know, everything shut down and I love the outdoors. I love adventure. Uh, so I started taking them on hikes and I was, pre- you know, preparing for a Spartan r- race. And so we'd go up to squat well, it's, it's called Palisades now, but it used to be called Squaw Valley. And we'd go hike up the mountain and take the gondola down and, they loved it. They loved being outdoors. Um, one thing with my son is he loves the water. Um, it's kind of scary because I, you know, I found at one time that one of the studies or releases said uh, number one cause of death for autistic children is drowning. And I'm like, oh, cool. My son's drawn to the water, um, but he's going to drown. And that's what we were convinced. Like that's what was going to happen. So we were on high alert um, something else with my son is he's a flight risk. So he needs 24 seven care. Um, and it's crazy because p- people don't believe us how fast he is. And it's when he wants to be, he just turns it on and he's gone. Uh, they've had that at school. They've lost him at school. Um, he's climbed into the balls. Like the, the, they have the little cart that has all the basketballs in it. And one day they couldn't find him. And they said they're looking for him for 20 minutes. And then, they're freaking out. They're getting ready to call us. And then one of the teachers sees him in the balls and it's like, what? Um, I, he's, he's jumped fences at church. He, in a little primary program at church, 
he's just standing there. I was right next to him. And in a split second, he jumps over the front banister out into the congregation. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. And I'm terrified because now what? He hit the ground. He just took off running. Um, it's an adventure. One, one of the fun things I did, you know, just like I love outdoors. And so this last summer, one of the things is I'm, I'm really big into, you know, camping, mountain biking, doing, you know, adventure racing. And I'd like I try to get my kids involved in these things because they're things I love to do. And I want to introduce them to this. So I took my kids whitewater rafting this summer for the first time. And on my, my Facebook, that, that is the, not my profile picture, but the, whatever the, the background picture up there, it's me and my kids and some friends were all rafting. And my son has the biggest smile on his face and he's sitting right at the front of the raft, holding onto the rope. And I mean, it's, it's one of the number one rivers here in California. And so I, that's one of the things I also, I'm a, a raft, whitewater rafting guide. And I'm like, I want my kids to have these experiences. And, you know, just because my son's autistic, he can still do a lot of these things. He just needs some extra care. Someone else to watch over him, uh, like rafting. So, you know, my, uh, you know, his, his mother was in the raft there. I had some friends that I was comfortable with that could jump in and help if they needed to. And then I, uh, a couple of my nephews were there just to help and just in case. And, um, so we just adapt, you know, collaborate in, in, the, in those things. I, I go out camping. I take him camping with me and he loves it. Um, so yeah, it's just, life looks a little different. You know, I can't get him to play soccer with me for the life of anything, try to throw a football and he, he can catch it and he can kind of try to throw it, but he doesn't really have an interest in that. Um, I try to harness, you know, his speed and I want to get him into track, but he runs fast when he wants to run fast. There is no, okay, go. Like he's like some other kid just wandering around or we did a, they have a special needs soccer program here. And I was super excited. We did it for two years and it's, they have a little buddy program where they have high schoolers come from the local areas or the teams and come and work with the kids. And Merrick was the one out chasing butterflies and playing with flowers. And I'm like, well, neurotypical kids do that too no big deal but then i see all these other kids on the spectrum engaging and playing soccer and he's over there pulling the goalie down so he can climb in it and it's like oh my gosh but you know it's i think i have a pretty good outlook and like you know i've wrapped my head around and accepted it and i don't know how or why um i think in the in the whole process you know at the time my wife she was really grieving and I, I felt like I had to be the strong one. So I didn't take that chance to grieve and step into or lean into it. And now I, I look back and it's like, I, I want to, I want to be sad, but I'm so happy. So why, why focus on the negative when this is life? There's nothing I can do to change it. So accept it and make the best out of it, not just for me, but for him and in turn for our family. And, you know, we have some difficulties and some hiccups but we're just aware of them and we, we learn and adapt to them. And now I've ranted for a long time. No, <laughs> you didn't, you did not rant at all. That was wonderful. Um, it's funny that I, I had another uh, conversation with a dad a little while ago who also is really into camping and soccer. And it's literally, I feel like I'm having the same conversation. Um, and, and he talks a lot about how hard it was at first to accept that his kid was just not, not interested in those things. Um, and, and, you know, shifting your 
what fatherhood is going to be like, what parenthood is going to be like. And, 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 you know, where do you feel like that shift has sort of, where are you in that path to that shift? Cause a lot of dads and moms really struggle with that. Uh, I think that the, the hard thing is to lean in and to accept it and not be mad or angry about it. Because right? what does that do for you? I mean, you're going to sit in a negative place and, you know, you, you go into a depressive state. Now, that's not good for anyone. And when you start shutting down, now you're not showing up for your kids, not showing up for yourself or work or anything else. And then it's like a domino effect. That negative is going to bring in more negativity and you're going to get down and the depression gets deeper and deeper. And then you think, oh, I'm so depressed or all these things are going wrong. And that's not lifting you up. That's pushing you down further. Um, one of the things, you know, I think has helped is finding others like-minded individuals or, or not, maybe not even like-minded someone that that's, you know, what they, they talk about surrounding the people that you have five people that you spend the most time with. That's kind of like who you're going to adapt to be and find those outgoing successful people. Uh, I, saving grace just with the, the ending of my marriage um, CrossFit and that community there was amazing. And they brought me in and they loved on me and like they, they care about me and they, they love it when I bring my kids into to the gym and it's just an amazing community. And I'm one of those, I, I used to say CrossFit's a different breed. Like they're crazy. I didn't want anything to do with that. I was more of an endurance athlete. Um, and now I'm like, Oh, forget endurance. I want this all day, every day. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I might crash one of these days. I might, it might all hit me one day. And I'll crumble to the ground, curl up in a ball and cry. Um, but I'm not there right now. Um, I've found other avenues to just adjust and cope in my own in my life. And maybe the coping I'm doing is not healthy when I'm going to CrossFit five, six days a week and signing up for competitions every other month. And um, it makes life a little stressful, you know, adding more and more on my plate. And it might be me avoiding uh, kind of facing some of the truths in my life um, because I keep myself distracted with so many other things. So hmm. I don't know if I even answered your question there. Now. No, you did. And I, I think yeah. I'm hearing, well, there's, there's two, two lines of thought, but one of them is the importance of community for dads too, moms and dads. And I know that from my own motherhood community, mothers together, but, but CrossFit ended up being your com community. So it's more yeah. than, this is not just about fitness. This is yep. about distraction in a, in a way that is, helps you focus on you. Yeah. And yep. I don't think all parents are doing that. I don't think all dads are doing that. No, definitely not. So there's a, there's a men's group here in Sacramento that they meet once a month. And, uh, I, I've went once and you know, I, I should, I should go more. Um, cause I think I can be a light and help lift others up. Uh, when we, when we started getting into this program and started meeting all these special needs parents, there's a couple of parents we really clicked with and we tried to do things with them, but then their kids started progressing and he's actually now in the neurotypical class and he doesn't need an IEP anymore. And it was frustrating because in this little group that we started with, our son was so far advanced above all these other kids. You know, at two years old, he's drinking out of a cup without a lid. And all these other parents are like, are you freaking kidding me? They're all mad at us because like, why are you even here? Well, now that it's completely flipped, 
And like all these kids, you know, they're talking, they're able to go to school, like normal classes. They don't have these outbreaks. They're not a flight risk. Um, and we've all kind of grown apart, but through all that process, you know, at the time my, you know, my wife, she really connected with a lot of these moms and they would go out at least once a month. And I really, I, I encourage that. I support it. I was excited about it. Um, I, I think some of those groups, unfortunately, when I see a lot of women's groups, I, my own bias being a, a, a man, maybe, um, there's a lot of negative talk, negative self-talk there. And the woe is me. And they're cultivating that negativity. And it's sad. But you you got to have an outlet. You got to be able to, you know, complain. You know, sometimes days suck. But I've got some friends that like, like, Austin, you never complain. I'm like, what do you mean? I just complained to you guys. Like, no, you told us an experience that happened at Mer you know, at your son's school. That's not complaining. So my son right now, he's obsessed with fire. Um, about a year ago, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night to uh, smell of propane in my house. Oh my God. And he had started a fire on our stove with spaghetti noodles, some boxes and some little things. This was, I, I don't remember if it was three in the morning or five in the morning, but it was, the house was asleep. And I went down there. I just, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. Get him upstairs. You know, I put it out, get him upstairs. And then a couple of weeks later, I heard the clicking of the stove of him trying to light it. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. What's going on? Get him upstairs. And we decided we need to, we flipped the locks in his room. We never wanted to do that. We didn't want to enclose him and lock him in anywhere. But now it's not just his safety. It's our safety. Since then, there's been at least two other incidences. Uh, one with a babysitter. He took a roll of paper towels, put it on the stove and lit it. She had just turned her back for two seconds. She's been amazing. She's been with us for several years absolutely amazing and real supportive and all the things, but that happened. And then it happened once with my nephew and I came home and the, uh, the ceiling's black, the stove is black. And I was like, what happened? And he's like, Uncle Austin, I, I just helped Aurora. I turned around to help Aurora with something. And then he did that. So now we don't have any knobs on our stove. And you, the stinker still tries to go and turn it on. I was like, well, what do you do? Okay, so I put on an electric stove in so he can't light a fire, but then he's not going to see that it's hot. He might not correlate. And that's the part that's it's hard with him. It's his, his lack of communication. You know, what is he comprehending that I'm saying and doing? Um, that's, yeah. that's, that's unbelievably hard. I, I mean, I can't even... I don't think I'd ever be able to sleep, actually. I would be <laughs> up... All night, every night, just waiting yeah. here, door open. You know, and so again, I, I guess I, I hear what you're saying. When you have things in that capacity, you know, you've got flight risk, fire, water, ter terrifying things. It would be easy to deeply get sunk into depression and festering in there. Like, I, yeah. I can see that. I feel like I... I think naturally that might be the way I would I would go. And so I like hearing you be like, okay, you're like, we, we can't go that way. You're going to get stuck in a depressive state because it's, it, it's not like you can just, well, everything's great. Like, no, it's not great all the time, especially when you're worried about the safety of your children yeah. and your family. So you've got to 
turn off a switch or something for your mindset to go a different way so that you can survive as an adult so that you can mentally be okay. I, I feel like yeah. that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Absolutely. And one of the things that also helped, you know, I, I have a therapist. Um, now I, I brought that on, you know, with again, the kind of the, the turmoil downfall of our marriage. And that's where I started. Um, but I love him. I love meeting with my therapist and just talking it out. And that's what people have to have. You have to have an outlet. You have to be able to talk about these things so that you don't hold on to them and bury them. And I, I was burying a lot. I still have a lot. I'm sure I need to dig up. I, I just stuff those feelings down. And, you know, if I push myself real hard in a workout, I find those emotions leaking out. And it's like, no, shut up, feelings. Get back down in there. But that's not healthy. Uh, it's how I'm coping with it. And then I'll have a, a breakdown where I push myself so where I'm so physically weak that I can't control my emotions and they leak out and, you know, the community steps in and checking in to make sure that I'm okay. Um, and every time I've done that, I've felt great. And it's like, wow. Okay. So how do I do that more? And that's, you know, I'm talking to my therapist now, like how to let those out and how not to hold it all in. Uh, meant, you know, that's one thing again with, uh, with my kid's mom, she, she had been going to the therapist for a while. Uh, just dealing with the other traumas in her life. And then oh, she might be getting mad that I'm saying this. Well, it's all I right. can always edit. Oh, it, it's good. Wonderful she, edit feature. She is. Uh, she's wonderful at uh, talking about her, her mental, mental strength and, you know, her uh, mental vulnerability and emotional. And, you know, she talks so much about how, you know, therapy has helped her. And she's always like at, you know, reposting his his videos and all his stuff um the other thing she's found is she she got into yoga really hardcore and that's really i mean she's become so mentally strong and physically spiritually strong uh, really a, a, a beautiful woman she's become an amazing mother and I, I love seeing that about her how she lights up now with her kids and she made this beautiful post uh, a couple days ago um, just talking about where she was at and how she missed out on a lot of those opportunities and memories with the kids and because she didn't realize how bad things were and she was just doing all she could to survive. And it was, it's heartbreaking that she got to that point. Um, but we didn't know what we didn't know. And now we can look back and it's like, Oh dang, that, you know, that was a learning opportunity. You know, we could have grown on a lot of areas there. Um, but where she's at now, it's, it's incredible. She, she's confident in, in everything. Um, and she knows she she advocates for her son so much. It's it's awesome. I think we do really well. We agree in those areas, and uh, you know, a lot of people talk about co-parenting. And I've just with all the books I've read, all these therapy, psychology, and all the things. Um, oh, and now I just forgot the term. As as important it is to co-parent, it, it's more like a le oh, is it level. You got to be side by side. It's not, you can't co-parent. You have to do it, you know, to, together, but you're going to do it in your own way. You know, she's going to parent. We both parent differently and she might not like how I do it, but this is what works for me. This is what I see connecting with my kids. And it's, uh, I, I admire how we, how we parent and, and support and stand up for my son and his needs and his rights. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, that's, absolutely an extra set of challenges in the 
overused term co-parenting, but just yeah. in this in this way, like I can only fathom just especially with the flight risk and the fire, like that that stuff is just oh. So you're making sure that and I was talking about this with the last dad, about you need a whole team, you need a whole village to all be yep. on the same page all the time for neurodivergent kids. And yeah. that can be frustrating because you can only control yourself. You can't control other people. And so, I mean, do you feel like that that can be a struggle sometimes? So much so, you know, we've got a a really neat, you know, in our community, you know, our church group, they're fantastic. They want to help out so much. And they're always asking, what what can we do to support you more? You know, they want to, you know, have someone come and help take care of my kid so that I can go to the other meetings and classes and get the most out of, out of my church experience. Um, but I want to be the one with my son. Like I, I only get to be a dad at this stage for so long. Uh, I, I hate those, those videos and those claims. It's like, you know, my, my daughter's, you know, she's seven and a half. So really what I've got 10 more Christmases with her as a kid. Um, my son, I, I hope my son gets to a point where he can live on his own with support. Um, my ex and I, we, we might not agree in that area, um, but that's my hope for him. And I, I'm a dreamer. That's one of my downfalls is I, I'm sitting out there like, this is what I want. I work towards this dream and doing all that I can to bring it to fruition. But, uh, you know, she's a little more of a realist and she's, you know, she kind of accepts the fact she's like, no, he's going to live with me the rest of his life. I'm like, Okay, that might be a realist. That might, might might be reality, but I'm not set in that. I'm gonna push him to to be more because I want more, more fulfillment for everyone. And I don't know, you sit there and dwell. He's gonna be with me the rest of my life. Not that uh, that sucks, but it's hard. Yeah, and and the fact of the matter is, neither of you know what's gonna happen, yeah. and there's no way to predict it. But I think it actually goes to show how stressful it is to raise a kid like this so that you guys are like, Oh my gosh, thinking about the future. What does this look like? And what are we going to do? And that constant state of question with no answer is really, you know, really takes a toll on people. Um, understandably, both of you. Well, we've got some friends with, uh, let's see, they're they're a couple of different friends situations, but uh, a couple of them have, kids that are on down have down syndrome what they appreciate is that there's a pretty cookie cutter outlook like here's what to expect here's what they're going through uh, yeah, i'm not to be uh well, what's the well to make it negative or not but you you have a, a life expectancy like there's a, a there's a lot of data behind that and with autism there, there's not and so it's, the cases are so different. And even though they've kind of clumped things together now, so it's the autism spectrum disorder, you know, they've clumped in all the different uh, neuropathical issues, all the, you know, now I'm forgetting all the terms. That's no, it's okay. Little... We, we all know what you're talking about. But yeah, so kids are going to be so different and you don't, you don't know. And uh, there is no outlook. So to 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 know and expect something a certain way uh we don't have that that path to look forward to that expectation 
and uh, it makes it hard. So what helps with me is like, I'm, I'm dreaming big. Uh, you know, he's going to have a job. He's going to live in an apartment or house. Maybe he starts talking in five years and that changes the world. So I, I have those little dreams, but with me, I don't get down if I don't, you know, if I don't hit a goal, I still look at what I accomplished. I don't look at what I didn't accomplish. And maybe that's just the, the way that I am, how I grew up and the, you know, based on my, my life experiences, that's, I found so much peace and, and accomplishment in, in that fact. Like, no, I, I ran a race. It was one of my best races, but I didn't hit my goal. You know, I, I was off by hours, but look at what I did. And it's like, yeah, you, you can find negativity in all things, but I think there's enough negative things going on in, in life that if you dwell on why, why would you want to dwell on it? How does that help you or those around you? Mm -hmm. And then applying that same exact thing to your children. To yeah. your son. So yep. not looking at what, you know, it's hard not to look at what he can't do. I mean, it's, it's hard. You see other kids doing things that he is not able to do. And yeah. I, I don't think I could ever turn to turn a completely blind eye. I would still be emotional watching other neurotypical kids do things. Oh yeah. So that's, that's going to happen. But on the flip side, okay, but look where he was a year ago. Look where, you know, yep. constantly shifting that perspective. And that, I think that's the takeaway here is that you, you have a really good sense of being able to reframe. That's what I hear you doing. There's a lot of reframing to positive yeah. thinking. Um, for some people, it's really hard to do that. But for some lucky people, maybe such as yourself, it comes a little easier. And that's great because that helps you get through your day-to-day -day life. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I see the little miracles and the little growth, you know, when, when my son gets around other family members, you know, my, my sister and brother-in-law, they, they live up in Idaho and we get to see them a couple times a year. But when they see Merrick, they're like, man, look at how much he's grown. Look at all here is words. And I don't notice those because I'm around him every single day. Um, but to, I'm going to share two little experiences lately. Yesterday, I go and pick him up from school and he, he had a good day. He only had a couple of outbreaks, which is for him is really good. And we uh, were driving away and he says, Nemo. I was like, yeah, Nemo. And usually he'll say something because he wants it repeat. You know, you repeat it and then he can move on. And then he's like, this one, this one, Nemo. And he's pointing. I was like, what? No, I don't have, we don't have Nemo song. Like I don't have any of those songs on my phone. So I'm thinking that's what he wants. And then he turns and points back to the school. I was like, oh crap. So I flip around, I go back to the school. And cause the teacher told me he had been cutting out Nemo characters all day. He loves drawing. He's Aww. what I love about him. He's, he, he's a good artist. He's done some amazing things that look so real, so lifelike. And he's gotten away from that. Now they're not, you know, now it's more like a four-year-old's drawing, but you, he draws all the Nemo characters, all the Bugs Life characters, animals. He knows every animal and dinosaur out there, but he can't ask for a glass of water. I'm like, are you kidding me? Anyway, so she had told me he drew all these little Nemo characters in class and it clicked when we're like a mile away from the school. Oh, he wants those characters. Well, crap. They're probably not going to be there. I'm going to drive back and they're not going to be there. I flip around, I get back to the school and the teacher's still there waiting with one kid. I was like, oh, thank you. So we go up to the gate and I ask for the characters and 
She's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I'll go back and get them. So she goes and gets them. When she comes around the corner, Merrick starts cheering and clapping. Oh. He's so excited. And then she goes and slips him over the gate. And he says, thank you very much. And I was just like, what? Whoa. You, like, that was a, applied appropriately. He understood the concept. He thanked her for going and getting them. And he was so happy the rest of the day. Uh, the other experience is my, my daughter got a little little doll a couple of weeks ago. And he, he's kind of, he's been wanting to play with it. You know, a little bottle, a little sippy cup, these little things. And so, you know, his, his mom had him work to earn it. You know, we have a little coin system or whatever. And so he, he earned this little doll. And so she took him to the store, picked it out. He, he got almost the exact same one that she had. Well, two nights ago, she, you know, she shared, um, the music is, we have nighttime music for him that we play every night and the music stopped. And then she, she, uh, she heard him singing. She's like, Oh no, his, you know, his music stopped. So he's singing the primary songs and she walks in and he's got this baby next to him and he's got the bottle in its mouth and he's singing little primary song, like twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh my God. Like, Oh, my heart melted. Like, Holy cow. Like, look at that development. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's incredible. Oh, gosh. That would have been so good to get on video. <laughs> I, yeah. I know. Uh, that's one of those things like I struggle with because I want to catch everything on video. But then I'm like, I also want to take it in myself. And it's like, all right, what do I do? What do I do? And it's like, well, you don't, you can only do what you can do. That's right. And that's right. I love the way that thank you for sharing both of those it's it's about the tiniest wins the tiniest wins yep. and both of those are huge wins for him um the thank you very much is like just mind-blowing right yeah so yeah awesome. so awesome oh man i i think there's a lot of reframing that you're doing austin and in, 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 a, a great takeaway and reminder that we can reframe we can it's really hard for some of us to do, but it is possible to reframe our thinking. Um, raising a, a, a non a neurodivergent kid, I mean, especially if there's dangerous situations and like, like yeah. I said, really hard. But you're doing it, and I think that's the takeaway for me. Yeah, you know, a couple of things. My my therapist, he's, one of his phrases he's coined is, "You shouldn't shit on anyone." So great phrase. You can't tell someone you should do this. You should reframe it. But look how it's helped by reframing. Yep. And he's always talking about reframing, stepping back and looking at the whole situation and look where you can be by reframing it. I mean, and then that, that whole self-care module, um, you know, my, my kid's mom has really leaned into that. And it's so true. Like you've got to fill your cup so then you can fill those around you. If your cup is empty, you cannot. How can you show up to be your best self? So if I have to say, if I have to take the kids to the gym with me, so be it. Because now I'm becoming, you know, I'm elevated, lifting up myself and now I can be better for them. Uh, stepping out and getting a, a break. I've got some friends that refuse to get a babysitter for their, their special needs child because they don't trust. They don't think anyone else can do it better than them. And maybe they can't, but you can't do it your best self being there a hundred percent you need to step back and have a little reprieve and i'm not saying abandonment or leave your kid to, you know all day but 
a couple hours, um, a, a week, a month, like you need that. And then you show up as your best self because you had that little opportunity to, to step back and reset. So it, it's not a should, it's a need. There, There's the mic drop right there. Um, <laughs> that's a hundred percent it. Uh, so true. It took me way too many years to realize that about myself, that yeah. I thought a good mom gives and gives and gives and gives and gives until she breaks. Um, and then I broke and, and yep. rebuilding. And so great advice for moms and dads to avoid getting to that part where you break and, yep. and recognizing that we have to you know you find a way you just find a way and it doesn't have to be a massive thing you don't have to go on vacation you don't have yeah. to but but going to the gym um going for a walk uh, yep. whatever whatever it is but something go fly a kite yeah <laughs> right i mean simple yeah it's simple so, little things are so simple so I, at you know at night trying to step uh, right now things are chaotic with work and whatnot, but at at night I try not to jump back into work all the time. Uh, you know, taking a chance to read a book, and, you know, have a cup of hot chocolate and just put on the fire on the TV. You know, in California we we can't have fires in our home anymore, <laughs> so just take that second just to step back. I've done a lot of meditation and, and breath work. Um, that's really helped just flush a lot of these things out. And, you know, I, I'm so grateful for what I've learned. I'm not, I wish I didn't learn the things I've learned the last two and a half years the way I, I did, you know, but I'm so grateful for the lessons I've learned because I see where I'm at. I'm a much better man than I was two and a half years ago. Um, I, I hope to continue to add these things to my life and become the best father that I can be the best person, not just for me, but for all those people around me. And if I can be an example or a friend or help someone else out, like that brings me for more fulfillment, more joy. Talking to you, Megan, like I love this stuff. Um, I've tried to reach out and be more, you know, with uh, what are the little nonprofit groups? There's Autism Speaks. Um, you know, I'm a type one diabetic. I've been diabetic since I was six years old. I started a few years ago getting more involved in that community. And like, we all have so much to give with our experiences. And I feel like so many of us just sit back and we're trying to do the best that we can just to survive. And when we step into these roles, like doing what you're doing, you're thriving and you're helping other people thrive by stepping out and sharing your experience and normalizing this thing, crazy thing called life. Like Thank you. you share the possibilities, you share where things are crumbling in your life and talking about the hard things. And other people see that and hear that, they're like, whoa, wait, you mean I, I'm normal? I'm not, you, you mentioned the word, you, you broke. Um, I don't feel like anyone's broken. We're all having these experiences, but I understand. I have empathy there because when your life falls apart, when you're looking at everything and it doesn't make sense and some people take that experience and like, they're thinking about death, death is a better option. That is never the best option. I, I mean, there's so much help and so many people out there that you can receive help from. Like, if you need it, ask for it. They're there. Mm -hmm. It's a brain shift. And and yep. you've made the shift. I have now made the shift. So I get you. I, I feel this. Um, For me, it was the word is purpose. I have found yep. purpose in other places so that I'm not constantly in a state of drowning in my 
home life with my kids. Um, yeah. and so when you redirect your energy, where else can it go? And it doesn't feel like it can go anywhere else, but it can. Um, so you're, you're right on. And I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and I, I just think, I think it's awesome. I think you're a wonderful dad and you and yeah. your, your partner in crime to, to get this done, the parenting job of raising two kids, um, yeah. you're both doing the very best you can, even in hard circumstances, even co-parenting, um, you know, you're, you're riding the wave and, and you're doing a great job and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. No. Yeah. Go it's ahead. Crazy. Sorry. It's wonderful. I, I, I love it. No. Is this the life I pictured for myself or wanted or dreamed of? Yeah. No, but this is my life and I'm making the best of it. So yeah. I encourage everyone to do the same. And then those people that are struggling, like ask for help. Yeah. There are so many outlets. There's so many people. And I know it takes a lot of courage to ask for help. That's being very vulnerable. Um, a lot of fear of being shut down or rejected. You know, people have traumas with that, abandonment issues. Like there's so much out there. But as you step into these little communities or reach out for that help, and then you're recognized, people start to bring you in. They're going to love on you and you're going to get what you need. And you still have to be cautious. You know, there's people that can take advantage and whatnot, but looking for that good, you know, like yourself, now you're bringing good to others, and it's it's amazing. It's a fantastic opportunity. I wish I wish more of us could do that. More of us jump on a platform like yourself to start sharing these things. I it's incredible, Megan. Thank you so much. You can do it. You can totally do it. I, I, yeah. I'm not. I'm I'm just a, an elementary teacher in my suburban home, just living my you know living my life here. Um, you can do it, and that's that's it. You, you're already there. So you might as well just start yourself a platform and start talking <laughs> because you're yeah. already there. Um, yeah. Right. You've already got the words. It's already built in. And so that's that's the hard part is is getting to the point where you're ready to share. But when you are, have at it. Start the Instagram, yeah. make a TikTok, start a podcast. It's you think it's never going to go anywhere, um, but it, it does. It goes. People need to hear validation they need to be encouraged they need to feel supported and from there it just builds um and that's the purpose that's the finding your purpose um, awesome. so it's awesome for you too and, and thank you i i this has been a wonderful conversation you're a, a motivating guy and um i really appreciate your time and your vulnerability and just your honesty around some hard stuff some really hard stuff well thank oh. you for this opportunity i really enjoyed it megan yeah anytime if you ever want to spin or throw something else out there i'm all for it yeah. You just say, I will be there. Oh, I love that. Yay. Thank you so much. I'll keep that in mind and, and I will keep you posted too when this is going to come out. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much, Austin. Take care. All right. All right. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website on theharddays.com and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word or in my free Facebook community, On the Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.